Now, folks, what I'd like you to do is I want you to turn in your Bibles, the New Testament, to Colossians chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1 as we're looking at our series, Our Life with Christ. And we're going to continue on here and see what Paul is teaching the Colossians as they try to address error in their lives, but they also try to grasp the relationship that they have with Christ. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, in verses 19 through 23, the issue of you and I having a relationship with God, God the Father, with God, because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, remember, last week we looked at the whole issue of the reality of who Jesus is, that he is creator, sustainer, that he has redeemed us, that he has given us a new life. And so we're going to see that because of him, you and I now have a relationship with God. Now, having said that, I, you know, I realize that a lot of us understand that we have a relationship with God. But the problem is, is there's a lot of confusion as to what that is and what that means or what that looks like. In fact, I would say that, to be honest with you, a lot of folks, even folks within our own churches here in the United States and maybe right here even in our church, folks are, can I say this in a nice way, but how do you say that? They're clueless. They don't truly understand. And what, what do you mean they're clueless, George, as far as the relationship with Christ? Well, I want to give you a couple of points to think about here. First of all, there is a tendency to think that everyone is okay with God. There's a tendency to think that everyone's okay with God. Now you're saying, well, okay, wait a minute, hold on, George. You said you wanted to talk about the relationship. You said you wanted to point out that we're clueless about the relationship. What does this concept of thinking everybody's okay, what does that have to do with my relationship with God? Well, it has everything to do with your relationship with God. See, in order for you to truly understand the relationship that you, a believer in Christ, someone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you recognize who he is, you've committed your life to follow him, in order for you to truly understand the relationship you have, you have to understand what it was like before that was there, before there was a relationship, before Jesus died. Now the problem is, there's this tendency of everyone, including folks in the church, to think that everyone's okay with God. Everyone's going to make it. Everyone's going to heaven. We've kind of embraced this cultural mindset that everybody's going to get wings. First of all, you're not going to get wings. Nowhere does it say that you're going to get wings when you go to be with Jesus. You're not going to become an angel. An angel is a different type of being. You're going to be your own person with a new body. But that has nothing to do with this issue of the relationship because the fact of the matter is is what we're going to see is is you weren't okay not everyone's okay and i think that's the hardest thing for us is to grasp is that people who don't know jesus are not okay now why would i say that if everyone was okay here's the problem if that were true then there is no need for jesus to die on the cross 
if everyone is okay, no matter what they do, only the really bad people go to hell. Don't you realize that, George? The Adolf Hitlers, the mass murderers. Only they go to hell. See, if that were true, then Jesus didn't need to come and die on the cross for you and I. He didn't need to pay the penalty for our sin with his death. Because everybody's going to be okay. See, this is the reality. Most of us don't grasp that. And part of not grasping that is, is we don't grasp where we were before we came to Christ. We don't grasp and understand our position without Jesus. And you say, okay, well, George, again, you're talking about the relationship. What does this have to do with the relationship? When you understand, hear me, when you understand what it was like for you without the relationship, then you'll grasp what it's like right now with the relationship and how important it is. You know, I, you know, here's the thing. I, you know, I look around at life and I see, you know, we all do. We see people who are dating, who are in courtship relationships, and, and uh, we see people who are single, they want to be married and everything. And, and I know I've done this. I remember those days when I was single before I met Lori. And, and you know what? I, I really don't want to go back there. Those were not good years. And to be honest with you, my life has been so much better because I have Lori in my life. And everybody can, oh, yeah, I remember when I was single. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, man, it was so much better. Yeah, <clears throat> okay, all right. Yeah, okay. so now you understand the importance of understanding a relationship. You have to understand what it's like not to have a relationship. And the fact of the matter is, folks, not everyone, most everyone doesn't. So let's look at the Scripture to help you to understand the relationship. We're going to look at verse 19 of Colossians chapter 1 through verse 23. It's up on the screen. Read along with me. For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If, indeed, you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this passage and we're going to talk about the relationship. We're going to talk about what Jesus did for you and I and why it's so important because it's going to help you and I to grasp the importance of the relationship right now because, number one, it's going to talk about 
what it was like for you and I before the relationship. And now that we have the relationship, it's going to tell you how important you are. It's going to help you to grasp the meaningfulness of that relationship with Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the first two verses, verses 19 and 20, and we're going to talk about pleasing the Father. And we're going to talk about that with regards to Jesus. Jesus pleased the Father. The Father was pleased because of Jesus. Why? Two things that are important. And then what we're going to do then is we're going to look at verses 21 to 23, and we're going to see the issue of reconciliation. That word is going to show up, as you already seen in what we were reading, reconciliation. Does everybody understand what reconciliation is? This is why we were clueless before thinking everybody's okay. Because the problem is reconciliation is where you have two people who aren't together, who aren't friends, who don't have a relationship, who are angry with each other, and you bring about a reconciliation to reestablish the relationship. And that's where you and I were. And the one who brings the, re the reconciliation, who is the instrument of reconciliation, is Jesus. So let's talk about this together. First of all, let's talk about pleasing the Father. Look at verse 19. He says this. For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. One of the things that the Colossian church was struggling with at the time was they were struggling with a concept that came out of Gnosticism. It was kind of a pre-Gnostic thinking at that time that Jesus was not fully human or Jesus was not fully God because the spirit, which is good, can't have anything to do with the corruptness of man. And so here Paul comes along and says, look, it pleased God. What? It pleased God that Jesus be two things. So here's the point I want you to see. Jesus is both fully God and fully man. Fully God and fully man. He's deity, but yet he dwells in human flesh. Now, understand something. Sinless human flesh. The ability to sin was not there. Why? He was perfect humanity. But here's what I want you to understand. He understands exactly what you're going through with the temptations. We've seen that. But he didn't sin. But yet he's also God. And this is what you and I need to grasp. We're not talking about Jesus being our Bubba. Yes, Jesus is your friend, but he's more than just your friend. He's your Lord. And so it pleased the Father that, that the fullness of God would be in Jesus. Here's the other thing. Jesus reestablished the relationship with God through his sacrifice. Look with me at verse 20. He says this, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, it pleased God, this is what you need to understand, it pleased God that Jesus reestablishes the relationship that you and I have with God. You see, this is powerful. We say, what do you mean it's powerful, George? Okay, so here we are. We got two people. Let's let's and and they're enemies. And 
they don't want anything to do with each other. One has been offended by the action of the other and, and, and wants to retaliate because of that. Punish should be the better word, God. And then there's us. We don't want to have anything to do with God. And, and, and there's no way. There's sin there. There's that penalty. There's the offense that keeps them from, from reconciling. And then here is Jesus. Jesus comes along and he brings about the reconciliation so that the two can have that relationship. Now, here's the wonderful thing about it. God was pleased that Jesus did that. His attitude wasn't, why are you getting involved in this? He was pleased that Jesus reestablished the relationship. He did what it took for you and I to have a relationship with God. This is what's awesome. Because before, it wasn't good. And so this whole issue of you and I coming to Christ, living our life for him, is to please the Father. In fact, it reminds me, again, remember, I've, I share this scripture with you all the time. Psalm 37, verse 24, 25. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, what? Delights in them. He, it pleases God. Your life pleases God. Okay, you've got to hear me. Because some of you right now, you're thinking, oh, you know, George, yeah, but you know, you don't know what I did. You don't know how I messed up. Lord, I, I ruined this, and, and, and this is the terrible thing, and I wish I could go back. We do that a lot. I wish I could go back and change that. Listen, he delights in you. In fact, that next verse, here's the hope. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God is the one who takes the initiative. He has took the initiative in sending his son Jesus to be the reconciler, to reestablish the relationship with God through his sacrifice. And that pleased him. Why? Because God loves you. Isn't that the verse? John 3.16. We see it whenever there's a football game. Somebody understand John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should have everlasting life. He gave us his son. So that brings us then to this whole issue of reconciliation. Now, in order for you to, and I to understand why we needed to be reconciled, he starts off in verse 21 telling us exactly why this needs to happen. And so we're going to see five things concerning this issue of the relationship, the reconciliation that's taking place. Five things that you and I need to grasp. Here, look at verse 21. Look with me. And you, who's that? You and me. Believers in Jesus Christ. Listen. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Here's what I want you to see, folks. First thing I want you to see is we were once alienated from God as his enemies. 
Remember what I said we're clueless about? We think that everybody's going to be okay. Everybody's going to make it. Doesn't matter what they do in life. They're not that bad. Everybody's going to make it. That's not true, folks, because it wasn't true for you and I at one point. Because Paul is making it very clear that you and I were alienated from him. Do you understand what it means to be alienated? We had no way of getting with him. We were kept outside. We, he didn't want anything to do with us. Why? Because we were enemies in our mind. We were rebelling against him. We didn't want, we, you're like, you're the big heavy God telling me what I want to do. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And we were his enemies. In fact, remember the scriptures I gave you earlier in the service, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. It talked about, and you he, you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were spiritually dead and we were just guided by whatever. Guided by our own desires, guided by whatever the world wants us to do, guided by Satan. And folks, yes, you were guided by Satan. Well, I haven't sold my soul to the devil. No, you don't have to sell your soul to the devil. You already belong to him. He knows exactly how to manipulate folks. And that's the reality. You and I were alien. There was no, what's the bottom line? Bottom line is this. Before you came to Jesus, if you want to write this down, before you came to Jesus, you didn't have a relationship with him. You weren't okay with him. That's the reality. And I think we forget that. We need to grasp the reality that before we came to Jesus, we weren't okay with him. There was no relationship. And this is why this importance of reconciliation is so important. That's why when he says here, look again in verse 21, he says, having made, excuse me, yet now he has reconciled. What does that mean? Well, but now Jesus has reestablished our relationship with God. See, isn't that, once, isn't that wonderful? Once you were like that, but now, yet, the word is in the scripture, yet, now he has reconciled you. That relationship has changed. You can't go back. You can't, isn't that wonderful? You can't go back. You are now not just his, in a relationship, the scripture describes you and I as what? Family. Adopted. Children of God. Sons and daughters of God. You are his, his own special people, Peter would say. A chosen generation. Now, Jesus has reestablished our relationship with God. Isn't that awesome? See, here's the thing. The, the implication is this. The implication is, is that you couldn't do anything to reestablish it, and you know that. Some people say, well, you know, if I do all the right things, it'll work out in the end. No, no, there's nothing you can do to reestablish that. And, you know, I think we know that from, from just plain old human relationships. What, what do you mean, Jordan? Well, think about it. I mean, if you walked around and stomped around on this earth long enough, 
chances are you have offended somebody at some point. And it, when you do that, there are no guarantees, right? When you realize, oh, man, I just ruined that. I just messed that up. And you go to them and you're like, oh, please, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And, and there's no guarantees that it's going to be okay. There's no guarantees that it's going to be right again. And even if there is some sort of effort to try to make it right, it's never the same. Have you ever noticed that? And it's like, no matter what I try to do, I can't remove the stain of whatever it is that I did. It's there, looming like a dark cloud overhead. And we know that just from our human relationships. Now take it with regards to the relationship with God. You rebelled against him. You sinned against him. You wanted nothing to do with him. And you hurt the relationship with the Creator because you rejected Him. You became His enemies. Which means, folks, as you know from human life, there is nothing that you can do to bring about reconciliation, make it back to the way it should be. Because you can't do it. It's by grace. Isn't that what Ephesians 2 says? For by grace you have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not by your efforts. See, this is the point of reconciliation. Jesus now, because you were enemies and, and alienated from God, now Jesus has reestablished our relationship with him. Jesus is the one who makes it right. Jesus is the one who's able to make it right and to heal that relationship. How did he do that? Well, we know how he did that. Through the cross. Through the cross. So, in fact, that's what he's telling us here in, in verse 22. Look at verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Remember I told you that when we adopt this clueless attitude that everybody's going to make it, that really, we really, if we believe that, that really makes the death of Christ meaningless? Well, the reality is it's not everybody's going to make it. Not everybody's going to be okay. Not everybody's okay. That's why Jesus died. In fact, that's why Jesus died, so that you and I can have a relationship with him right now. And so here's the point. He did this, this reconciliation, he did this through his sacrifice on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin. That's why, to be honest with you, there's a word that's used in Scripture called propitiation. You see it in 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if you sin, you have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins. Now, what's that big word propitiation mean? Well, it means wrath satisfier, atoning sacrifice. He satisfied through his sacrifice, through the blood that he shed, he paid the price. 
He did what was necessary to bring you and I back into that relationship with God. He did it, not you and I. Man, that's got some powerful implications there if you think about it for a moment. So the relationship that you and I have with God is not because of what we're doing. There's nothing that you and I can do for that relationship. It's because of what Jesus did. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's because of Jesus dying for you. So when God looks at you, he doesn't look and say, oh man, look what kind of week did they have? What is the matter with them? Man, I don't know if I should spend some time with them. That's how we think God is, but that's not the reality. God doesn't look at you as far as his relationship with you based upon what you have done or haven't done or who you are or who you're not. He looks at what did my son do to redeem this people? What did my son do to reconcile them to me? To take care of all the outstanding debts. That's it, the issue, isn't it? He took care of all the outstanding debts that we owed God. He reconciled us. He did this through his sacrifice on the cross. That's the reality. He did this through his sacrifice. Now, there's a reason why he did it. Again, look at verse 22. He tells you in verse 22, why did he do that? to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Here's the point. This was so that you would be presented to God holy and blameless. <clears throat> I think we can understand that, right? Again, let's go back to human relationships. When you think about human relationships and you've done something to hurt somebody, okay? Let's say, let's, okay, let's take a clan. Let's take a family gathering. Let's take a family. Let's say one person in the family really hurts somebody else and they try to establish reconciliation and they try to reestablish and, you know, there's forgiveness or whatever. But here's what happens. The next gathering of the family, the next Christmas gathering or the next family reunion or whatever, when they get together, the person who hurt the other person, even though there's forgiveness and even though there's reconciliation, he feels awkward. He feels tainted. And even for the person who was hurt, who extended the forgiveness, they don't see that person the same anymore. They don't, they, they, all they see is, yeah, there he is, and yes, we've worked this out, but, but he, he did this to me. He sinned against me. He hurt me. He rejected me. And, and, and there's this, there's this cloud still there. This is what's going on here. See, through reconciliation, when Jesus died on the cross, when he became our propitiation for our sin, when he paid and satisfied that wrath of God, he did that so that when you go to the Lord, it's not you going to the Lord with all your garbage. It's not you going to the Lord with all the stains that are on you. It's you going to the Lord holy and blameless. Not because of you, <laughs> remember that, not because of you, but because of Jesus. But because of Jesus. So, you know, my, my, 
I've, I've mentioned this passage before to you. Let me, let me mention it to you again. In, in the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter... Three. This is a vision that Zechariah the prophet has. Listen to what it says. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you. I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Folks, the angel of the Lord... That's the pre-incarnate Christ. What's going on here? He's the one that takes your stuff away. Your unrighteousness and makes you righteous. He makes you holy and blameless because he paid the price. See, that's reconciliation. We're not just talking about two people who were at odds one time, two people who were, who were striving against each other because of sin. Two people were reconciled to each other God was reconciled to us because of Jesus. And now even with that reconciliation, that relationship is completely new. There's no clouds of, oh, he did this and oh, he did that. Hanging over because why? Jesus took care of it. Is that not awesome? Isn't that awesome? So that you would be presented to God as holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. Look, look at verse 23 there. That, that brings about a responsibility. The reconciliation brings about a responsibility. Because you might be thinking, oh, wow, man, I can just go do whatever I want to do now. I'm, I'm right with God. He's okay with me. Yeah, but there's a responsibility. Look at verse 23. If indeed you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which i paul am a minister here's what i want you to see here it is this requires that you continue to grow in your faith i i, I i've said this often I know I've said it to people individually that when you look at folks and you see the lack of spiritual growth in their life, I, I always say it's because they don't truly understand the nature of their salvation. They don't, don't truly understand what Jesus did for them. They don't truly understand what it was like before they came to Christ and the hopelessness of that situation. They don't understand what Jesus did for them and who they are now. And, and, and so because of that, that has resulted in them being stunted in their life or not growing at all. And, and the reality is, is that if you understand the reconciliation, the relationship that you now have with God the Father, it requires that you do something, folks. 
It requires that you grow in that relationship. And we know that. Again, let's go back to human relationships. Your relationship with whoever it is, it's either growing or declining, is it not? It's either, there's no plateaus in relationships. Well, I think we've reached this perfect point in our relationship where I can just coast. There's no coasting. Relationships are hard work. Write that down. Relationships are hard work. And, and so that's the reality here. The reality is you've got to put forth the effort. He's done it all for you. Now grow. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Grow. That's the reality here. That's the point here. And it's, it's all because of Jesus. And you can't say, well, you know, I don't know that I could do that because, you know, I did this. No, 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 you don't understand. Jesus already took care of that. There's no excuse now. There's no excuse. Grow. The relationship is there. Grow. So that brings me to, to the last thing I want to tell you today kind of a point that I have been been making with you for the last few weeks as we've been going through Colossians. See, this is where it comes down to, folks. It comes down to you and I. You and I can't just coast. We can't coast on somebody else's faith. It has to be your faith. We can't just coast, well, you know, yeah, I made that decision, and I'm going to be with Jesus when later on, and whatever goes now, that's okay. You can't do that. You have to decide to get serious about your relationship with Jesus. That's the point. You have to decide to get serious about your relationship with Jesus. That's it. See, here's the thing. Your faith, your relationship with God isn't for one hour on Sunday. Ever tried that? Oh, sweetie. I'm so glad you're in my life, but you're only in my life for the one hour a day that I see you. That's not a relationship. That's a using thing. And, and maybe that's what we're doing is we're using God. You've got to decide to get serious about your relationship. I've got to get serious. Because he did everything for us through Jesus. And that's what we need to grasp. That's what we need to understand. That's what we need to own. Do you understand what I'm saying? He did it all for us. And now we're okay with him. We weren't before. But now we are. And we can have a relationship with him because Jesus died for you and I. Let me pray for you.